Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. It's all right to cry. Crying gets the sad out of you. It's all right to Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant. Uh, how you doing? Good, sir. Are you doing good? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, well, you put the two of us together, and you've got a little uh, podcast called Stuff You Should Know, and that's what this is. You get more than that. Even though uh, this was an abnormal start, semi-abnormal. Yeah. We've had Devo kick us off before. Uh, yeah, but hey, Devo's got nothing on Rosie Greer. No, you want to talk a little bit about what we well, just heard? Well, yeah, obviously, uh, children of the 70s might recognize that song, um, might be very fond to some of you, mm-hmm. like it is to me, from the awesome album Free to Be You and Me, which, uh, uh, Marlo Thomas mm-hmm. headed up this, this record in the 70s mm-hmm. to basically build kids up, make them feel better about, you know, if, you're a boy and you're a little effeminate. You like to play with dolls. There was one called William Wants a Doll. <laughs> yeah. If you're uh, a boy and, you know, you wanted to cry, Rosie Greer's there to tell you it's okay. Yeah. Might make you feel better. Yeah. And uh, there was, you know, there was one about, like, treating your grandparents with respect and it's okay for girls to, like, do boy things and boys to do girl things. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's very 70s. It's okay for girls to punch in the arm. Yeah. Pretty hard. I think there was a song about that. I love the 70s for that reason. It was great, though, man. I listened to this one, like, a lot. Did you? Yeah, Mel Brooks was on it and Anne Bancroft. And, I mean, it was a, a litany of awesome 70s guests. That's nice. So thank you, Marlo Thomas. Yeah. And now thank you to Uncle Chuck for bringing it back. Yeah. Josh, before we go any further. What are you doing? <laughs> we have a very special announcement that I'd like you to make right now. You want me to make it? And we're doing it at the beginning of the show because not everyone listens all the way through, even though they're missing out. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, please announce. This is a very high honor. Yes. Uh, as everyone knows, we're doing a live podcast at South by Southwest on Sunday, March 11th from 3.30 to 4.30 in the Maximilian Room at the Driscoll Hotel, right? That For badge holders. It's been pretty clear the whole time. I hope so. We've been kind of dancing around what we're doing at this special event, this uh, Stuff You Should Know variety show, the next day, which is Monday, March 12th, from 5 to 9 at Fado Irish Pub on 4th Street in Austin. Dance no more, sir. No. I, I hand the dance card over to you, Chuck. Do it. <laughs> uh, dudes and dudettes, we have been lucky enough to get a chance at television with a TV pilot yeah. for Science Channel. Yeah. The awesome, awesome people at Science Channel have given us a chance. For a half-hour TV pilot. We made it. Yeah. It's in the can. Yeah, like we've gone over, we're in the second round of editing. Yep, putting just, it all together. It's happening. This pilot is coming together. It is coming together. And uh, the, that will be the basis of the variety show featuring uh, an appearance by Mr. John Hodgman. How could we not include Haji? He's always there. Eugene Merman, who I'm looking forward to meeting. Very funny comedian. Yes. Big fan of his. Yeah. Uh, music by, uh, Lucy Wainwright, uh, Roach. Who is in the pilot. She, she plays, plays Jerry. Jerry. It's crazy. <laughs> and Jerry will be there too. We're going to put him right next to one another, remember? Yeah. It's been the plan all along. 
uh, our buddies, uh, the Henry Clay people, who have been uh, friends for a few years now. It's crazy. And who you manage on the side. I manage on the side sometimes. Uh, they did the score. Uh, Joey from the band did the score. Yep. And the theme song. Did a lot of composing. Did some good stuff. Yeah. And uh, they will be playing this, this party. And uh, local Austin band Crooks, who it turns out, are also fans of the show. Yeah. And that just happened. Yeah. I like it when serendip happens. Totes. So uh, Crooks are going to be playing as well, and they're they're awesome, sort of uh, old school country with a little new school rock thrown in. And uh, we will be showing clips from the show throughout the night. Which we, th- I mean, we've seen the show how many times, Chuck? Too and many. I still like it. I'm I still like this is a pretty neat pilot. So if you want to be in the know and get a sneak peek at this thing, and whatever I said on Facebook today, whatever you think this show is like, you're wrong. Oh wow! You've been you've been taunting people. I huh? just I don't think anyone is going to expect what we're going to give them. Okay, well it's going to air at some point, right? It's a TV yeah, the, pilot. sometime this spring. But this is the debut, the premiere of the sneak peek clips of the stuff you should know TV pilot. That's right. Monday, uh, March twelfth, from five to nine, Fado Irish Pub, two fourteen West Fourth Street, Austin, Texas. Free drink ticket to the first one hundred guests. Yes. I mean, that's reason Each. enough to come. You don't have to, like, leg wrestle to find no. out who uses it. No. So, wow. All yeah, right. that, is, that is reason enough to come. Sure. And this is not for badge holders. Nope. This is for the public at large. And it's Anybody free. can come. Free. It's totally totes free. Well, we're not buying drinks or anything, but it's it's still, like, there's no admission. Uh, No admission whatsoever. I don't even think there's an age requirement. I believe they serve food. It's like a, just a restaurant as well. So you don't have to... Get all drinky. You can just come and sip on some iced tea. Excellent. So is that it? Can we get back to the show now? Yeah. All right. Back to the show we recorded several weeks back. Okay. Wow. The uh, the focus, obviously, on this one is uh, crying. If you uh, notice the title, that shouldn't come as much of a surprise. No. Um, I have a little story for you. Let's hear it. Um, have you heard of the movie uh, Water for Elephants? Uh, yeah. It's like uh, Reese Witherspoon and the dude from Twilight. Yeah, Emily saw that. Is it any good? Uh, she enjoyed it. Well, I was researching whether or not elephants can cry, and uh-huh. apparently at one of the premieres, I think the premiere in Australia for this movie, the elephant co-star was there, and it started crying. Really? And apparently everybody was really affected by this elephant just crying in the, you know, the middle of public. Did it think the Australians were, were going to eat him? I don't know what, what the <laughs> elephant was thinking. And we're not even certain whether the elephant was crying. Because as yeah. far as we can tell, humans are the only species that cry emotionally as the result of an emotion. Yes. But it is possible that elephants and gorillas mm-hmm. are the two likeliest candidates as it stands now. Yeah. Do as well. But... We're so far from understanding whether elephants do that we don't even know how often humans cry, right? let alone whether elephants can cry for an emotion. Yeah, there's been a <laughs> lot more studies done on laughter and its benefits than crying, I found out. Yeah, I've noticed, Chuck, we've been doing this, what, for coming up on... 20 years? Four years. Yeah. We're coming up onto our fourth year eventually. Wow. This year. Mm-hmm. Um and I found, like, when we encounter stuff like this, fields, topics that haven't fully been sussed out, yeah. there's two ways it can go. It's either loaded with total BS hypotheses. Conjecture, sure. That, like, maybe makes sense in a really eight-year-old common sense way. Yeah. Um, or 
are just filled with awesome like um, ideas of I, I just basically are demonstrations of how great humanity can use its mind, right? right? This is the former. And I'm sorry for tapping on the table. I know that that's a new habit of mine <laughs> and that it screws things up, but it's it's it, for emphasis. Yeah. Uh, as far as the gorilla thing, I can direct people, if you want to cry, to the video of Coco the gorilla. Mm-hmm. The, the sign language gorilla? Yeah. yeah. She uh, she had a pet kitten at one point, and it's very cute. And you see this kitten and Coco bonding, and it's those videos are the best anyway. And she accidentally breaks its neck, no. and Gary Sinise has to shoot her in the back of the head? No, no. Gary Sinise, actually, I think it was a chokehold. Okay. <laughs> um, but the cat, of course, gets out and gets hit by a car and killed. And they have on tape the, the woman going and telling Coco that the kitten is dead. And Coco, dude, I might start crying right now. Wow. Coco starts making the signs for bad and sad and frown and then cry. And, like, dude, you got to see it. I mean, I it's, I'm it a out. weepy guy anyway, but I was at my desk earlier just, like, <laughs> biting it back. <laughs> but then I really encourage you to go look at the video right after that. Coco gets a new kitten. Oh, yeah? That'll just make you feel better all over again. Good. I'm glad. Is it in like the replay screen? It's one of the ones that pops up as the next. It episode. actually has a pop up while you're watching this. Like, click on here to see Coco get a new kitten. Gotcha. But um, yeah. I mean, it looks like Coco is very much emotional. Whether or not Coco is actually crying, and whether or not animals get emotional is, right. is under debate. And that's a whole other topic in and of yeah, itself. Yeah, sure. Um, but I guess the point is, is we're we're only kind of beginning to get a loose grasp on why we cry and how sure. we cry. And so the research is kind of um, uh, insufficient, I guess. But we're just going to go through some of the ideas of what's behind crying. We have something of a, a good grasp on the physiology of it. Yeah, and this whole thing, this guy that that surmised about our ancestors, yeah, this I thought that was so weak. This is BS hypothesis number one. Do you want <laughs> yeah. to take it, Chuck? Yeah, Dr. Uh, Paul D. McLean uh, theorized that our, you know, cave ancestors would um, cremate the deceased, <laughs> become overcome by emotions, and then the smoke would get in their eyes, <laughs> which would trigger reflex tears, which we'll talk about. And um, then all of a sudden they were just linked forever. Right. We emotion and crying. Exactly. Or death and mourning and crying, which I think that's kind and of And that weird. was the birth of emotional tears. Yeah. I don't buy that one either. I don't either. But it does lead us pretty, uh, pretty, uh, segue into what emotional tears are, right? They're one of three types of tears that we've sussed out. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being basal tears, which, with or without cocoa, you've got right now. Yes. We cry every day. Yeah. Ten to what? Five to ten ounces? Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. Were, you, were you aware of that? Well, I didn't know it was that much. It's but... almost a bottle of beer. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That makes me want to cry. <laughs> what a waste. I don't know why. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously your eyes would dry out, so that's just your body's uh, uh, taking care of itself by right. by working up these tears. And most of that, um, well, I guess just about all of the 5 to 10 ounces of, of um, basal tears uh, that you produce every day drain through your sinuses, your sinus cavity. Yeah. Instead of streaming down your cheeks. Sure, which you might <clears throat> get stopped up. They said in here a runny nose when you cry, but... I get stopped up personally. Do you? Yeah, it like stops up my sinuses. Um, I, my nose runs generally. Really? Yeah. Um, well, what are tears? I don't think we even said that. Oh, tears are um, liquidy secretions of fats, <laughs> proteins, uh, mucus, yeah. oil, yeah. but for the most part, water. 
Um, and depending on the type of tears, this is very significant, though. Agreed. Depending on the type of tear, the composition is going to be different. Yeah. So if you look at, um, say, reflex tears, which are, are designed to um, rid your eye of some sort of irritant, right? Yeah. Smoke, dust, onions. onions. Do you want to tell everybody how onions work? Yeah. I feel like it's time that we finally explain that one and <laughs> notch that off the list. Uh, there's an enzyme called uh, lacrimatory factor synthase, mm-hmm. and that is released when you cut into the onion, and then that converts amino acids to sulfenic acid, mm-hmm. and then that sulfenic acid turns into uh, synropanthithiol S-oxide, and that is what irritates your lacrimal glands to cry when you cut an onion. Right. And mine really, I think I mentioned this before, mine really go haywire. It burns. It's its pretty bad. So I got, Emily got me those little goggles everywhere. <laughs> Can you post a picture of you cutting onions wearing goggles? I can, actually. All yeah. right. Sure. I'd like to see Well, that. not cutting onions, but I tried them on uh, on Christmas Day when she got them. Okay. Same effect. But I'm saying the next time that you cut onions wearing these goggles, I'd like to see that. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you uh, you also mentioned uh, another important point, the lacrimal gland. It's in the upper outer region of your eye, and this is where tears are produced. That's right. Um, so you've got basal tears, you've got reflex tears, and then you have the emotional tears, the great grand mystery of humanity and why we cry, right? Right. Um, so with, re- with emotional tears... Uh, from what we can, <laughs> that is a great picture of you wearing goggles. <laughs> I just showed you. That's really great. Yeah, they work too. Um, you look like wow. That's a, that's a great. I got to stop right there. Yep. Um, but so with emotional tears, uh, what we suspect is going on is that the cerebrum, which registers sadness, uh-huh. um, says, "Hey eyes," uh, or no, says, "Hey endocrine system, you're feeling a little blue. Yeah. Why don't you go activate the lacrimal glands?" And let's get the crying commenced. Yeah. Release the hormones. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't think it's any coincidence that you that you express tears at the same time you're expressing emotion. Right. I would agree with that. And that's what you were kind of talking about earlier, the whole theory of whether or not having a good cry makes you feel better. Right. And you mentioned earlier that the composition uh, of the tears differs and they, they collected, uh, let's just call them onion tears. For lack of a better, well, we have reflex tears. You could also the call them reflex <laughs> They collected onion tears and they collected sad movie tears <laughs> and uh, found that the uh, the reflex onion tears were, what, like 98% water? Yeah. Whereas the other ones were chock full of uh, sad proteins. Like prolactin, uh-huh. which is um, very much involved in the process of um, producing breast milk, hence yeah. the name. It's for lactating, prolactin. What else? Are you going to say that other one? Yes, I am, Chuck. It's uh, adre- adrenocorticotropic hormones. Very nice. Adrenocorticotropic hormones, which um, are, indicate high levels of stress. So that makes sense. Which is a commonly experienced thing while you're crying. Sure. And then there's leucine encephalin. <laughs> that's right. Leucine encephalin. Well, these, these episodes just turned into like this parade of <laughs> me humiliating myself. <laughs> no, you did well. Leucine Encephalum, yeah, uh, which is an endorphin that reduces pain and improves mood. Yeah, so that it makes sense that you would find these in tears when you might not in emotional tears instead of reflex tears. The problem is, is that not all um, studies who've looked into this that have looked into this have found that crying does make you feel better. 
there's been plenty of studies that have found the opposite. Most studies, I shouldn't say most, but some studies have found uh, that there's no change whatsoever. People don't feel any better or worse. And one True. study that required, um, I think, like, like 1,200? No. There were, like, 1,200 accounts of crying over, like, 70 days among, like, X number of um, female college students. Mm-hmm. Um, it found that t- that crying was preceded by two days of low mood and proceeded by two days of low mood. So on either side of a crying incident, uh-huh. there was two bad days before and after. So there wasn't necessarily an improved mood. Well, and one of the studies that you uh, sent me earlier kind of gave some reasoning behind this, which makes sense to me. Um, one reason might be because laboratory crying, you may not be getting uh, consolation, mm-hmm. which might be what makes you feel better. When someone sees you crying, they come yeah. over to pat you on the back and you know, buck up camper. Right. And the other was... Uh, that it's not a realistic setting. Oh, well, the, the helplessness factor, which made a lot of sense to me. Like you're watching the Sarah McLaughlin uh, <laughs> animals dying thing. <laughs> And a good cry when that doesn't make you feel any better because animals are still dying. Right. So there's this helplessness like when you're watching the sad movie that like I can't help these characters. Right. So a good cry isn't going to make me feel any better. No, but it may in a real world setting where True. you're crying and it's cathartic and somebody's making you feel better and then also explaining to you how things actually are better and you're like, I guess. Right. So it's kind of a tough nut to crack because when you study something like this, they sit you down in a lab and make you watch Brian's song and, you yeah, know. I've never seen it. It's a little clinical. Brian's song is? Oh, no. Oh, okay. Brian's song's very sad. <laughs> Isn't that uh, John Voight? No, it was uh, Jimmy Kahn and uh, I can't remember who played Gail Sayers, but um, yeah, it was the famous story of the football player dying of cancer. Yeah. Gail Sayers' teammate, very sad. You know, speaking of sad and dying, um, there's a whole, I, I wish I would have looked it up ahead of time. I read an article about people who love these books, but you know, like Sweet Valley High? Yeah. Imagine if each book was about a different Sweet Valley High girl and they were all dying young. Oh my God. But they were like these brave, like captain of the cheerleading squad, straight right. A student, class president, don't ever feel bad for me kind of gals, but they sure. always died at the end. And there's like this series of like 50 books of like young adult fiction that's by this one author and that's all like dying young. Huh. I yeah. wonder if it, the purpose of those was to, you know, prepare kids for losing friends young because that does happen. Or I, I wonder I if guess, but I mean, in this go. lady's world, they're dying all over the place. Yeah. Was it a female author? Do you know? Yes. Oh, interesting. I don't remember the name. I'm sure somebody will write in. Please do. Yeah. Um. So... Uh, Japan, you want to mention that? Yeah, I even looked this up to verify because it sounded a little wacky, but, you know, the Japanese, they're always setting the standard for things like this. Totally. They uh, have crying clubs over there where they do believe that it makes you feel better, so they'll get together as a group and watch these sad movies or having read these books and talk about them just to have a group cry. Well, you also, you just hit something on the head inadvertently is that they believe that crying makes you feel better. Apparently, it's culturally bound. Oh yeah. So yeah, if you're in a if you live in a, a society that doesn't think crying makes you feel better, maybe you're kind of a wuss for crying. Sure. You're less likely to report feeling better after crying than somebody who lives in a society like Japan, where it's supported. Yes, that makes sense. Or where people think that crying does make you feel better. Right. It's like zombies. I cry, I cry a lot. I know. I'm a very weepy guy. I know you are. And I think it said one reason. Uh, We'll go ahead and give away a secret. One reason they think men might cry less is because they sweat more. And if crying is a way to release some of these buildup of toxins, then sweat would do that. But 
I it's, sweat. BS hypothesis. I too. cry. I've I've got an overactive bladder. I know. So. I've seen you cry, sweat, and pee all at the same time. <laughs> Dude, I'm just constantly leaking fluids. I know. I know. And it doesn't help. Believe me. Because there's always some kind of fluid right behind it. And there's always another cocoa video coming up. Ugh. I'm I'm very eye rolly as a result. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that. Um. So what else do we have? Uh, well, let's talk about babies. When we start crying, obviously, is when we're little uh, crying newborns. Yeah, uh, which makes sense. I mean, you cry, you need help, you want to be changed. You're yeah. totally, you're you're helpless, useless. There's nothing you can do. So you cry. I'm hungry. Let everybody know. I'm sleepy. I'm but not sleepy. I was looking into this, Chuck. Like that still doesn't quite make sense. Why babies cry? I mean, we take it for for you know, granted, it's just babies cry. It's what they do. But when did the first human baby cry, and why did the first human baby cry? And I, I looked into it, and there was actually this cool study that put up a few hypotheses that aren't necessarily BS. They're at the very least very interesting uh-huh. of why humans started to cry, and it's like based on natural selection. Like the first few babies that cried were selected one because it reduces infanticide, okay, which is apparently very common in early uh, early cultures. It reduces. Yes, and huh. here's why. It emotionally manipulates the parent into not just abandoning the baby or leaving the baby. Elicits sympathy. Yes, uh-huh. but it also um, basically says, hey, I'm a very healthy, fit baby. You don't want to leave me behind. I'm going to be great at picking berries one like you day. you hear these lungs? I have the, yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, if, if I were the type of baby you'd just abandon and leave for dead, I may just not even be able to get a good cry going. Oh, so that makes sense. A little whimpering cry might not be as strong. Exactly. So it was um, it, that led to natural selection of crying in babies and that's why we cry today. At least that's a that makes sense. That's one of the better hypotheses I've run across. I was just thinking my own hypothesis might be that, uh, you know, back then it's not like the mother was always right over the baby like they are today. No, that's not true. The opposite is true. Oh, really? They mm-hmm. were more uh, present. They carried them everywhere. Oh, well yeah. then, there goes my hypothesis. That's okay. We tested I thought they had to it, cry it louder. It's just part to, of science. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, no, I know what you're saying, and that actually you know? that kind of coincides with. The reason why you would cry, because a baby that cries is being abandoned and knows it. Right. When you're away from the mother for a very long time, that means mom's gone. She's like 20 clicks that way and not coming back. Right. That's very sad. Reduces infanticide. So uh, babies cry differently as they grow to communicate different things. And in an in-tune parent will tell you that, like... From the other room, oh, that cry probably means she needs to be changed. That cry means he's uh, hungry or right. has fallen out of his crib and is playing with uh, power tools. Maybe. <laughs> no. Uh, and then uh, at 10 months, they think that's when babies start to cry to manipulate their parents for attention. And this, by the way, I thought was a very sexist article. Did you notice some of the lines Oh, in here? man. Like, yeah, and that's when your mascara runs. If a guy had written this... Could you imagine the backlash? No, I, I totally can. I picked up on that as well. I know what you're about to say. I, I couldn't even bring myself to underline it. I just ignored it completely. Well, I highlighted it in green because I wanted to read it. Here's what the line is. <laughs> Some studies have reported that women in particular continue this manipulative crying throughout their life in order to manipulate others into giving them what they want. For example, forgiveness, pity, or a diamond bracelet. Tisk. I mean, really? Yeah. Wow. I know. It is very, I'm even offended. I was too. I read that to Emily. She's like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. The author is in trouble. 
Maybe. With us, she is. Um, so uh, you've got manipulative crying uh, at about the age of 10 months, right? But there is manipulative crying as adults. I'm not trying to say there's not, because there definitely is. I, I think I've no, have even course. done it, it as a man. No. Sure. For what? What did you want? Oh, like, you, you know, when you're goggles? young and emotional and the, your girlfriend breaks up with you and you just want you just want her back, man. You just want her back. But maybe if you seem sad enough, she'll feel sorry for you and take you back. So you weren't sad? Uh, yeah. If you weren't sad enough to cry naturally, then... But I'm still working up the crocodile tears just to, uh... Crocodiles only cry to excrete excess salt water. Well, that's why they call them crocodile tears, because there's nothing uh, emotive behind it. I gotcha. All right. Moving on to adolescence. Well, not quite yet to adolescence. Uh, we should say that up to adolescence, from the time that we're infants to adolescence, boys and girls supposedly uh, cry at about the same frequency and amount. Yeah. At least same frequency. Sure. There's not a lot of um, change or difference between the gender. But when we do hit adolescence, and this one makes a lot of sense, um, boys' testosterone shoots up. And there's a negative correlation with crying. It decreases. Yeah, they could just get angry. With girls, their crying actually increases. And there's a positive correlation with um, estrogen production. Right. Um, which, that sounds kind of sexist, but it's true. Physiologically speaking, it's true. Right. Um, <clears throat> and in conjunction with uh, estrogen production, you've also got prolactin, which, don't forget, is found uh, in emotional tears. Right. And a crying researcher named, uh, is it William Fry? William Fry and uh, Muriel uh, Langseth wrote Crying the Mystery of Tears. Oh, okay. Uh, He, Fry, I believe, is actually an Alzheimer's researcher, and he just did, like, crying as as an amusement. (laughs) Yeah. He's one of those Just guys. to in the mood exactly. after his Alzheimer's research. Um, but he, uh, he, he suggests that w- girls have about 60% more prolactin in their bodies at any given time than men. Right. Um, and that as a result, they tend to cry more and more frequently. Um, Four times as much is what he says. Yeah, which is a lot. But again, w- no one's really done a great, big, huge survey on how often people cry. Yeah, this one, I don't know how large it was, but it was a study... Um, that had people record how many times they cried over the period of one year. This one found women cried roughly 64 times compared to 17 in men, mm-hmm. and everyone underestimated, men and women, how much they would have cried. Right. But um, that seems low to me. I, I, or maybe I'm just speaking personally <laughs> as a weepy guy, you know? It's like <laughs> 17, I was like, I think 64 is low. Oh, yeah? Oh, I mean, I'll cry... And and something I didn't see in here was crying over some of over beauty, that happens to me a lot too. Over uh, something that's just so beautiful, yeah, I know like what you mean. at a concert or a sunrise or something. At a concert, I'll, I'll weep you're like, up. look at that guy's lighter. <laughs> yeah, it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It is. What do you mean at a concert? Well, like the music or something. Like I'm, I saw the the Ode to Joy at Carnegie Hall one time. Oh, uh, I got when you. that kicked in. I was so like overwrought. I started crying. I thought, um, I just I thought Bonnie Prince Billy concert, not. No, I, I, I would cry at a Bonnie Prince Billy concert would if you? the music moved me enough. All right. Sure. Um, <laughs> I I want to say on behalf of everybody, thank you for sharing so much of yourself in this one. It's making the whole thing way better. I don't mind. I mean, who cares? Does that I'm mean with I'm a you. big wuss? You, no, it certainly doesn't. No. Rosie Greer says so. Exactly. Um, so let's see. Men also, here we uh, arrive at BS Hypothesis 3. Okay. Uh, men cry less, Chuck. Because they supposedly have smaller tear ducts or lacrimal glands. 
cry fewer tears? No, less volume. Less volume. Yeah. Because women have larger... Okay, well, you think that's BS? Totally. Yeah? Yeah. Well, maybe women are equipped with larger ones because they cry more. You think? Maybe most of the hypotheses and research on crying is done on the back of cocktail <laughs> napkins for some reason. Uh, according to Women's Health Magazine, though, Josh, <laughs> men typically only cry when they suffer a major loss. And I find this to be true for a lot of guys. Is Usually it's anger and frustration, uh, or anger is uh, how they express frustration and stress, whereas a woman might be more prone to cry if they're frustrated uh, or stressed. Yes. Yeah, that's probably even true for me, and I'm a weepy guy. <laughs> I think, though, that it's um, a difference in threshold. Sure. Possibly, because I think frustration and anger can lead to tears pretty pretty frequently when you reach that point. Yeah. I think it's it's just a difference in threshold. There's a lower threshold, perhaps, in women. Maybe not. I, I don't know. But I'm saying like that would be my right. take on that. Or maybe men, maybe the, the, the stereotypical history of men not being allowed to cry mm. or it's a sign of weakness, maybe that leads to even more frustration. So it's expressed as anger. Which is funny because there is a study that's mentioned in this article that um, they did a survey of people saying, you know, uh, do, does men crying bother you? And do you think it bothers other people? And most people were like, it doesn't really bother me, but yeah, I'm sure it bothers everybody else. <laughs> and like virtually everybody responded that way. So in other words, people don't mind, they're just not talking about it. Well, it's just like this this uh, social ideal or societal ideal that it, men shouldn't cry and other people are bothered by it, even though no one's really bothered by it. Right. Thanks to Rosie Greer. It's called the Greer effect. <laughs> yeah. He was a football player, too. I don't know if I mentioned that. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah he's um, a cool dude. He was also in uh, The Thing with Two Heads. The Thing with Two Heads. The Man with Two Brains? Nope. He and, oh, man, it wasn't like, I don't think it was, it may have been William Holden. Really? Who was a, a rich um, scientist who had his head attached to a convict named, played by Rosie Greer's, really? body. Wow. And they were like this odd couple. It was like a creature feature Saturday Shocker type horror never movie in the that. 70s. The Thing with Two Heads, is, I think, is what it's called. Great movie, Chuck. I'm going to get that immediately. That and The Incredible Melting Man. I've never heard of that one either. Oh, that was a good one. Was that because of uh, 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 the Ice Age? They no. Melted? Remember, that was my hypothesis. I guess. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you have a good memory. Sometimes. All right. Well, there's our tangent for this episode. Um,. Getting back to men crying, though, uh, they have done some research, and some people think that a uh, note, noted man crying in public is actually good for your career and good for your PR. Like John Boehner? Sure. Tim Tebow? No. Do you remember <laughs> when I think Florida lost to Tennessee? Oh, yeah. And dude. Tebow cried? Uh, it was I, awesome. I got Go so on, much like, pleasure. <laughs> there was some guy who was like, oh, Tebow, your tears taste so sweet. <laughs> It was beautiful to see. Yeah. I don't I don't dislike him as much now, though, because of uh, I'm not like some big fan, but I found that once a player y- leaves or coach leaves mm-hmm. the University of Florida, yeah. like I love Coach Spurrier now. You're, you disgust me for even saying that. No, once they leave Florida, I don't have that tie and anymore. And you keep that to yourself. <laughs> I've found that that's not the case with me. Like I 
hate Spurrier still. I can't oh, really? stand Tebow. Urban Meyer, bleh. Yeah, like everybody. I can't stand anybody who has Florida stank on them. <laughs> Boy. Rex Grossman. Yeah. I don't care who you're talking about. Sure. The, I, I can't stand any of them. Well, you know, I like that kind of consistency. I, I just got so angry, I accidentally licked the mic cover. <laughs> That's gross. Um, what else have we got here? Oh, well, why why we cry? Um, there's, again, the field's wide open for any quack to come up with an idea and get it published in an article on how stuff works. Keeps us healthier. Yeah, so by removing say. toxins, stress-related hormones. But, but, you poo-poo, but do you remember when we did how saunas work? Uh-huh. And we were talking about how, yes, you have um, kidneys and your bladder and your urethra, urethra to get rid of all these toxins. You don't really need to sweat. But sure. sweating does get rid of some of it, and every little bit helps conceivably. Well, these stress-related hormones do exit your body through your tears. Yeah, so I'm, not, I'm not poo-pooing. It is possible. And I think it's beyond just the toxins. I think that... I believe that holding on to the, these negative emotions is not good ultimately for, for your heart and your body. I think, you know, I, I think a good cry could help. I've yeah. seen it. And you've experienced it. I've experienced it. it. <laughs> you've seen it. Don't back off now. Yeah, you're right. Um, people from colitis and ulcers tend to have a poorer view of crying uh, than people who don't have that, which apparently suggests that if you don't cry, you're going to end up with ulcers and colitis. I don't know about that one. That's true. Uh, you gave me something interesting on depression. Uh, they studied 44 people uh, with mood disorders. I guess the 45th person just they couldn't show up. <laughs> you know. Uh, and they said that they were, in fact, more prone to crying than, than people who uh, they were comparing them to who didn't have the mood disorder. But... If uh, you had severe depression, a lot of times you had an inability to cry altogether, yeah. which is really sad to me. Yes, that's very sad. I guess it's just that dead inside feeling. God, that's awful. Yeah. Um, there's also symptoms of crying excessively. Apparently, some people with PTSD. Right. Uh, one of the symptoms is excessive crying. Postpartum. Yeah, postpartum depression, which I didn't know this. Nine to sixteen percent of women suffer from postpartum depression following birth. What do you think it was lower? Yeah. Oh, really? I didn't realize it was that prevalent. Yeah, I did. And I guess it would have to follow birth to be postpartum depression. Yes, so that was redundant. Uh, in this interesting study in Israel, they uh, had men sniff uh, a saline solution compared to real human tears. Uh huh. And that they found that when they smelled the real tears, their testosterone dipped. Yeah. And brain scans showed less activity in areas associated with sexual arousal. So that made good sense to me because if someone if someone's really upset and crying, it's not sexually stimulating to to you unless unless you're unless you're a real sick person. So I would say it elicits sympathy. And lowers your sexy right. time feelings, which which kind of um, gives it a, <laughs> which kind of supports the idea that like a social bonding theory of crying, yeah, it, you know you're signaling to somebody else that you're not aggressive, you're 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 submitting, you're you're allowing yourself to be vulnerable, so just lay off, will you? Hold me, don't hit me. Yeah, put the rock down. Did you ever see the Doctor Cats about the the man hugs? I've seen all of them, but I don't remember that. There was one bit where he was uh, talking about the man hugs when the man hug and they slap. Uh-huh. He was like, men have to do that because I'm holding you, but I'm hitting you. Right. Yeah, yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> I think that stuff. was Dama Rare, right? I think so, yeah. Dr. Katz. <laughs> <laughs> so good. You got anything else? Um, no. 
And you know, I'll post that photo of me with the goggles. It's awesome. I always forget, but um, someone will, Cooper will remind me. Then he'll turn it into something sick and twisted. Right. Well, I was crying. We did pretty good with that one. Did a little poo-pooing. Did a lot of explaining. You did a lot of sharing. No crying. No. There's no crying in podcasting. <laughs> uh, there is crying on HowStuffWorks.com. You want to go to your favorite search engine, and you want to type in How Crying Works into the search bar, and that will bring up uh, the How Crying Works article on our sister site, TLC.com. It was definitely TLC. Uh, you want to do that if you want to learn more about crying. Um, and if you can't remember what we said about the onion and why it makes you cry and you want to impress your friends, just it's in that article. You'll be very happy to see it. Um, that is on your favorite search engine, but it's on How Stuff Works. I think I said search bar in there somewhere, which means it's time for a listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this uh, from Lori in Germany. Oh, I like this one. It's Good one. Germany. Uh, guys, uh, you recently saved my butt, and I thought I would write in to tell you about it. I'm an Atlanta girl, originally, who is currently teaching English at a kindergarten in Germany. Doesn't that mean Garden of Children? I think so. Uh, in the last week before Christmas, I showed my kids A Muppet Christmas Carol, one of the best Christmas movies ever, if you ask me. And as I'm sure you know, there, was, uh, there are several ghosts in the story, but since it's a kid's movie, I assumed it would not be too scary for my wee-wahs. Mm-hmm. Well... I showed the first half on Monday, and then I was out sick for a couple of days. When I came back on Thursday, I learned that one of my little girls, six-year-old Annika, had barely slept since she had seen the movie. <laughs> apparently, the ghosts were too scary for her, and her mother was apparently stinkzawa, which is an excellent German word meaning stinking angry. <laughs> so she was stinkzawa. Uh, in an effort to run damage control, I showed Annika and a couple of other kids the pictures from the Muppets article on HowStuffWorks.com. The diagrams, uh, and this this was a really great article as far as that stuff goes, mm-hmm. the visuals. Uh, the diagrams showing how the Muppeteers control the various types of Muppets uh, were A, really interesting to both me and the kids, and B, a miracle cure for Annika's fears. Uh, that cool little behind-the-scenes tour helped me, my wee-wahs. It's a little disconcerting, isn't it? No? No, I think, so. I think okay. it's cute. Uh, help my wee-wahs appreciate the cool design of the ghost instead of being afraid of them. And Annika's mom was no longer stinksawa. Huzzah. Huzzah to that. Thank you for helping me teach my wee-wahs something new. And for helping me get out of hot water as well. That was the first time I've looked up an article after listening to one of your episodes. But I'm really glad I did it. And thank you for what y'all do and for the upbeat and open-minded attitudes in which you do it. Idzeit uh, der Hama. Figurative translation, y'all are awesome. Literal, y'all are the hammer. We are the hammer. <laughs> that is Lori in Germany, who was definitely no stinkzawa. <laughs> no, yeah, I love your German. It's great stuff. It's fun. Um, thanks a lot for that, Lori in Germany. We're glad we could help you out. And uh, I urge everybody and anybody to go check out our beloved site, HowStuffWorks.com, the Mothership Connection. HowStuffWorks.com, right? Indeed. Um, if you want to let us know how uh, our podcast has gotten you out of hot water, how How Stuff Works has gotten you out of hot water, if you want to go on the site and find an article and say, hey, podcast on this, we're happy to get links like that. You can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can go on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Stuff You Should Know. And you can send us a plain old-fashioned email to StuffPodcast at Discovery.com. 
sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House to Fork staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?